Welcome to the Maintaining Hope podcast. The Maintaining Hope podcast exists to look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 6 of the Maintaining Hope podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and as always, I'm thrilled that you've decided to join us as we look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. I'm really excited to share with you a conversation that I had with my friend, Chris Thronis. Chris is the current lead pastor at Kamloops Alliance Church, a church that is very near and dear to my heart, as well as the host of the Kamloops Alliance Church podcast. You will very quickly see that Chris has a huge pastoral heart and is passionate about renewal and transformation. Here is my conversation with Chris Thronis. Enjoy. Well, I am super excited to be welcoming Chris Thronis to the Maintaining Hope podcast. Chris, it is really great to see you, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Brian. Oh, it's a pleasure as all mine. Uh, this is really fun going back to uh, our time together working at uh, Eagle Bay Camp and then with our paths crossing at Ambrose and then you are now lead pastoring uh, a church that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, this is just really fun. Yeah, you know, it's, it's true, Brian. Our stories have kind of weaved in and out from each other uh, in different ways and in different seasons. Yeah, so uh, it's great to, to be on and uh, hopefully adding some value to the podcast. Absolutely. Chris, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Kind of give us the 30,000-foot view of who Chris Thronis is. Where are you right now? How are you spending your time? Uh, yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so uh, I am based in Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. And uh, I've been in Kamloops for just over two years. August 1st, 2018 was my first day. So yeah, lead pastor at Kamloops Alliance and uh, married to Krista. Uh, she is still with me after 10 years, which is great. Um, and uh, three young kids. So how, how am I spending my time? Uh, I am a disciple of Jesus and uh, I try to be a good husband and a father to three young kids. Uh, my oldest, Hannah, she's in grade one. And then my little uh, middle guy, Micah, is uh, in preschool. So he's turning five in just a few months. And then my littlest girl, Matea, she is two and a half turning three in December. So my life is very simple, uh, but it's very full being a lead pastor of a great church and a, a husband to Krista. She, my, my, my wife is a nurse, so she works in labor and delivery and then uh, trying to be a great dad and uh, take off the work hat and enjoy uh, my three young kids. So life is good. It's full, uh, but I, I don't complain. That's awesome. Life sounds like it's really fun as well, too, at this stage. It is. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I am, I'm a good, I try to be a good pastor and also a good tickle monster with my kids. So uh, it's good. It's all about balance in life, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. No, Chris, um, biblically, when you look at the word hope, uh, what, what comes to mind? What, what stirs in your heart when you think and ponder hope from a biblical perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I don't, I mean, first of all, I would say, I don't think we, I don't think we think uh, deeply enough about biblical hope. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because as I understand it, uh, biblical hope is certain. It's not wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, oftentimes for us, it's like, uh, I hope, I mean, in our context, I hope for a, an effective COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, signs point to that 
we'll probably get one, but it, it's, it's in some ways is wishful thinking. Whereas biblical hope is certain. It's not like mm. cross your fingers, hope for the best. And uh, so I, I think it's, it's a, uh, it's a solid place to rest our life. That's what biblical hope is mm. um, because of its certainty that I know because of who God is and his faithfulness that he will make do on his promises for me in the future mm-hmm. where I don't know if I can make do on the promises for me in the future. I know that mm-hmm. God can. And so, yeah, you know, one of the, one of the texts, you know, as we think about it biblically, one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 131. And uh, it's a Psalm of ascent of David. And I love mm-hmm. this Psalm because, you know, David is King of Israel, one of the most powerful people in the world. And he says, Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. And so one of the most powerful people in the world is talking about, you know, ambition and pride. And, you know, he's like, "I, I don't make my future. God makes my future for me. I don't occupy myself with something too marvelous for me. Like he rightly positions himself as a created being mm-hmm. under the the grand you know uh character and nature of god and so it's just like it's like this intimacy with jesus i've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother so there's like this this contentedness with god that he's not wrestling about in his mother's lap like an infant and then interestingly it's only three verses long the third verse of psalm 131 is oh israel hope in the Lord from mm. this time forth and forevermore. And I, I, I like that because the whole, the first two verses is him like renouncing self-sufficiency, renouncing yeah. pride, renouncing ambition. Yeah. And then at the end saying like, and whatever comes, I put my hope. I put our hope Israel at the yeah. time. I put, you know, hope in the Lord, both for this time for today and forevermore. And, uh, and I've come back to that quite a bit is, um, you know, this certainty that I am not uh, my pride or my ambition doesn't make for me the future that I want it to. And instead, I put my hope in God and that future is certain because of who he is. So there's just a few thoughts um, as I've processed hope. I don't think we think about it enough. And I think mm-hmm. Psalm 131 really encapsulates at least my kind of personality and my journey with this uh, biblical concept of hope. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's really interesting looking at Psalm 131. There's definitely that huge element of humility in that as well, too, right? That as we, yeah. as we are humble, as we embrace humility, it, it's a catalyst to just this incredible, rich, deep hope. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think that humility... Uh, when we think about biblical hope is, is necessary because uh, biblical hope is that I can't deliver on it. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's not something that I can do. It's yeah. actually something, you know, when you think about, you know, the idea of like the inheritance in the, in a, in a epistle, like Ephesians, this yeah. inheritance that's waiting for me, I had nothing to do with it yeah. uh, in, 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 in getting it and, and also receiving it. You know, Jesus is the one that purchased for it for me on the cross. And then, the idea that I get it one day is him giving it to me. So yeah, I think humility plays a huge role in the rest that we have to have in, in future hope. So. 
Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. That That's really powerful. Yeah. Um, so taking all of this into consideration, kind of walk me through how does this play itself out in your day-to-day life as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, as a husband, um, as a father? Walk us through how is hope lived out in your day-to-day life, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about Psalm 131 and it's a lot harder to talk about, you know, how, yeah, how, that, how that's actually practiced <laughs> in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why this Psalm has been like tattooed on my soul is because uh, I am, I am task oriented mm. uh, in my, in my wiring. If any of your listeners speak Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three. So okay. uh, that means like pursuit of success yep. and, and ambition. And mm-hmm. so it's hard, man. It's hard. Yeah to not think of like um, a faith journey towards hope as something that I can do. Mm. So it it is difficult to rest in this biblical concept of hope for me uh, because my default belief is that I make it happen Mm. um, with hard work, with uh, gifts, you know, so, so it it is, it is hard, you know, to have a, a humility when it comes to it mm-hmm. um in this in this current season of my life though i feel like i don't feel like i know that it has been a pruning uh mm-hmm. for me you know a la john 15 and yeah. you know the father prunes branches and so as i think back to the person i was a year ago and the person i am today uh Am I like transformed? No, but I, I do believe that I, that the father has been pruning. Mm. Um, and the idea that God is in control and I am not is, is um, and that it's up to God to make ministry and fruit happen and not me or the gifts that God's given me. So, you mm. know, learning to be, learning to be okay with that, that my hope, for both my own journey towards Jesus and my role as in my family and my role here at the church, um, that God is in control of uh, in bringing good things and, and fruit out of all of those things. Amen. So, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm pruned, man. I just yep. feel like he's, he's got the shears out on me and, yep. uh, He's, he's radically putting me in my place, um, mm-hmm. which is, which is hard. And I think, you know, as I, as I think about, you know, my own apprenticeship to Jesus and then my role here at the church and then my family, you know, um, my hope, uh, is it can't be in my parenting because it's not yeah. perfect. You know, yeah. like, yeah, uh, I, I look back and I try to be a good dad, but there's been like huge, huge misses already. And so for me, as I think about my family and, you know, navigating being a pastor and having kids and being a pastor's kid and all of those dynamics, like, I'm just like, Lord, my hope cannot be in how Mm. perfect I can make my schedule or, or how great I am, you know, putting my kids to bed or future parenting decisions. So I'm like, there's so much out of my control. Yeah. So much out of my control. I don't control my kids' friends. I don't control my kids' teachers or their coaches. And, and there's this sense that like, if I try to hoard and be in control mm-hmm. of, of, of the people that I love the most, that 
uh, I don't think I'll get anywhere. And so, so my hope for my, my kids discipleship and my wife's flourishing, um, man, it's up to me, like, it's up to me to make good decisions and all, but ultimately, <laughs> man, my, my hope has to be in, in Jesus for, for them and their safety and their joy and their flourishing. So yeah, it's, uh, it's messy, man. I would be yeah. lying to say that, you know, I, I live solidly in this idea, but yeah. uh, of biblical hope, but I do feel there has been a, a reorienting and a pruning so that uh, I'm reminded of my place in the whole thing. Yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting. I think we all want that garden reality in our soul, right? We want the big, beautiful flowers. We want the green, luscious plants, but we don't want the pruning. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in a, in a world and in culture that is all about instant gratification, we don't want to roll our sleeves up, but man, when we do, when we stay humble, when we stay obedient, it's amazing what can happen, right? Because, you know, I think we're all in that journey right now of being pruned and it's just, yeah. it's, it's moment by moment and day by day. Yeah, I, that's, that's great. And I, I would agree, even in my own life, you know, I, my spiritual director, uh, he was talking to me about this season in my life and uh, I was talking about all the paper cuts of this season. You know, mm, yeah. um, you know, the paper cut of, you know, church and all that sort of stuff of COVID. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I was lamenting about all of this and how <laughs> this is that this is at like the height of the lockdown in like March or April. And I was lamenting about all these paper cuts and yeah. how I feel like I'm, I'm bleeding out. And and my spiritual director said to me, he's like, <laughs> he asked me a question. He said, Chris, do you know of anybody else? who has bled out for other people. Oh, and, wow. I, and I was like, yes, I do. In fact, his name is Jesus. Yeah. And, and then my spiritual director said to me, he's like, so d is there a possibility of you connecting with Jesus in a new way that you haven't been wow. able to in the past? And I was like, yes. Wow. You know, Come and so, wow. yeah, so I, I think you're right. You know, I think for me, I have this, I, I want growth without pain. Mm -hmm. I, I want, I want biblical hope as a concept, but not a lived reality. But the yep. way that I live that reality out is yep. actually through being pressed and yep. grinded yep. and, and reminded that I am not God and I don't have things in control and I'm yeah. going to be okay with that. So yeah, that's really good, friend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Chris, as, um, as an Enneagram three, like you had shared as, as somebody who is task oriented, um, how did COVID-19 impact your hope um, as a, as a apprentice to Jesus, as a pastor, walk us through how did COVID-19 shape things or change things or impact things for you? <laughs> yeah, pretty significantly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, massively. Uh, I, I think, uh, I'm still grieving, uh, mm -hmm. what we've, what we've lost. Mm. Uh, I think this season has been, um, at times a real sense of lack and loss, mm. um, you know, from, you know, I, I haven't seen in person probably like 80% of our church since oh, like eight wow. months. Yeah. You know, I, I saw, I saw somebody this week uh, just in, in, around town and I said, you know, Hey, 
I haven't seen you in probably eight months. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, how are you doing? And that's like, that's hard mm -hmm. uh, as a mm -hmm. pastor. And so it has been easy, I think, to look to the future with the same sense of lack, loss of, and grief. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there, ha there has been some pretty uh, low times. Um, mm -hmm just in my own journey as a, an apprentice, but also as a leader. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I had to take, I took four weeks off uh, mm. this, this summer. I've never taken that much time off before. Wow. But I, I looked at my life um, and the, the anxiety and mm. the weight pressure and my own, own journey. And I was like, man, I, I actually got scared. I'm like, how am I actually doing here? Mm. So I, I had to take significant amount of time off just to like rest my soul and recharge and kind of actually redo a lot of the disciplines in my life. Uh, looking back, I would say uh, I, I, I operate best when I'm disciplined uh, in my eating and, uh, and exercise and personal rhythms and practices. And COVID blew all of that up. And so I really mm -hmm. felt like my life was just scattered and, yeah. and and I think that significantly impacted my my hope um in in the season of pruning as well mm. you know so you kind of it's kind of like this perfect storm of all these totally things. um you know as far as church goes uh, one of the metaphors I've heard of the this pandemic is when you when you remove the weekend gathering from yeah. the church yeah you know church leaders now are trying to play chess without the queen, the queen, wow. the queen being weekend services. Right. Yeah. And, and so it, that, that, um, all of that, my own life and, and my rhythms and, you know, time off for my soul and, and, and leadership playing chess without the queen right now. Uh, yeah, it really impacted, impacted my, my hope. I, and I think where I've come from since the summer is, is rather than seeing, because I'm like, I'm future oriented. I get excited mm. about the future. Yeah. So when, when I stop being excited about the future, both with me or the church, like there's something wrong internally. Mm. So coming from, coming from the summer, I feel like I've, I've kind of switched from lack and loss to God, what do you, what, what's the opportunity? Mm. the opportunity right now you know yeah. and, and and there's a hope in that a, a hope for my own journey of like i see you pruning in my life lord uh and and i know that that leads to godliness i know that that leads to fruit so there's a hope there totally. when i look at when i look at the church i see like i see us growing in prayer as a church i see us growing in mission as a church and i'm like mm -hmm. There's hope there that God, you are doing something in the middle of the season that I couldn't, I could not, and would not have written uh, mm. or authored. But there is hope that my goodness, it's not just a matter of getting through this, but growing in it. And I see that for myself in the church. So, yeah, I, I, I it's been, uh, it's been interesting for sure. Yeah, totally. And just to give our listeners a bit of context, Chris, how big is your church? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, like our high, high watermark in the year pre-COVID as far yeah. as weekend, weekend attendance would go is about a thousand, just over, just under. Wow. Um, you know, 
what, what that actually means, you know, there'd be people that would say there's probably 15, 1600 that call our church home mm-hmm. in our, in our current environment. But mm-hmm. I try not to play those games, but it's around a thousand. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and you would, you would earlier mention that you haven't seen about 80% of your people say for about eight months. So to put that into retrospect, yeah, that is brutal. That's yeah. you're talking 800 people that you haven't seen for the yeah. best part of a year. So yeah, absolutely. That's gotta be super, super difficult. And uh, going back to that chess me- metaphor that you would use about yeah. trying to play chess without the queen. Absolutely. But I think one of the most beautiful things with that metaphor as well too is the king still remains, right? Yeah, right. And it's, you know, it's, I think this really unique opportunity right now to, yeah, to, to embrace the fact that, yeah, the king remains. Yeah. And, you know, it, it kind of sounds like you're in a bit of a, um, almost like a relaunching in a lot of ways, which is, which is really exciting. Yeah. I think. And, yeah. um, so you had mentioned earlier, uh, spiritual direction, uh, spiritual director, you took four weeks off. Uh, what are some of your other best practices just in terms of maintaining hope? Are you a silence and solitude guy? Walk right. us through kind of some of your own best practices in that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think to kind of keep going on the spiritual director thing. So I, I have, uh, I tell people that I, I pay people to be my friends. So I, uh, I do pay, I do pay for uh, spiritual direction about once every four or five weeks uh, from a good friend. I also have a leadership coach in my life and uh, my leadership coach is more pragmatic, but also really takes care of me as well. Mm. Um, so those two guys in my life, um, uh, I know love me and tell me straight uh, what they see and hear uh, mm-hmm. in, in me. So that, that, that has been helpful for them to uh, have access to every part of my life. And yeah. um, and ask me hard questions and reorient me. And, um, and, and I think what they do is they make me aware of, of how God is working and speaking, working mm. in my life and speaking to me. And so that maintains hope when, when, you know, in the middle of COVID, I have all what I feel is all these paper cuts. And then, mm. you know, my spiritual director asked me that question and I'm like, wait a second, like, this is for a purpose. It's not just for yeah. nothing. You know, yeah. and, and there's hope in that, that I, I can, I can do that. Um, what practices work well for me? Uh, I, I wrote down here uh, in a little bit of preparation, like laughter and fun, man. Like, yeah, totally. W- when I stop having fun and, and laughing and being able to do that. Yeah. Uh, so like dating my wife, we have fun together. We tease each other. And, uh, and, and so that, that's super key. Like just levity in my life because mm-hmm. without it, I think it's just heavy. My life can be heavy. Yeah. Uh, so, so levity, um, silence, as you mentioned, uh, I start, I try to start every day with silence, mm. just calming my, my, my soul. Uh, I do spiritual breathing exercises as well. Um, mm. which like situates me in, in the day and with Jesus. So, um, Psalm 23 is something that I pray through every morning, yeah. uh, in, in silence and spiritual breathing. Uh, I try to pray through the great commission and the great commandment and Psalm 23 every day. Um, just because it, it situates me in who I am and my mission and what I'm supposed to do and totally love God with all your heart, love each other, be on mission, you know? Um, so, so that's been good. Yeah. And I think for my, like, 
I like to see progress in my life. I like mm -hmm. to see action and, you know, turning the needle every day type thing, sure. uh, which, which, which often gives me a sense of incompleteness because I don't have time to celebrate what has happened. Instead, I look to what continues, what needs to be done. Mm. And so one of the things I've tried to do is reflect on where I have come and where the church has come mm -hmm. and to remember, uh, which I think is an often mispractice uh, in Christianity that we don't reflect and remember a lot. Mm -hmm. So in reflection and remembrance, what I'm doing is I'm calling to mind that God is God and he is working. And even yes. though I, I want things to continue and move forward, mm -hmm. um, that he has been faithful. And so that, oh, yeah. that has been something that's like kept me grounded and tethered to, to hope is that as God has done in the past, he will do in the future. Absolutely. Uh, and that also helps me remain in the day to stay totally. in the day. Um, instead of looking to this future that I want so desperately for me or my church or my family, it just helps me say like, Lord, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. And mm -hmm. all, all I have to do is this day in front of me. So I think those types of practices, scripture, meditation, silence, yeah. remembering, reflection, um, anchor me uh, in, in times like these. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, as, as a lead pastor, uh, during COVID, how, how did or how are you encouraging your staff to maintain hope in these days? Yeah, I think I think in a lot of similar ways as mm -hmm. I do, I've done personally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think we have tried in our staff to have uh, moments of of levity, of yeah. laughter, of celebration. Totally. Um, we actually took our staff away two weeks ago for a staff retreat. Oh wow. Um, so everybody on our staff team uh, was invited to come admin, you know, admin people and operations, people, facility, people, pastors. Uh, and, and what I felt the Lord speak to me in the summer was that we needed to get away in the midst of the crazy for rest, reflection and renewal. Mm -hmm. And so we took, yeah, we took, I think there's like 18, 19 people went to Eagle Bay camp, which is a camp just an hour and a half away from here. Yeah. And, um, and that's what we did, man. We just, we, we had fun together. We laughed, we played games yeah. together. Uh, I brought in a speaker, actually, uh, my dad who, who led us through some sessions. Cool. And, and there was just, man, there's just like beautiful prayer times and yeah. Yeah. So I think rest, reflection, play, um, playing together, having fun together is really important. And one of the things that came from that time, as I think about, uh, you know, uh, in, in maintaining hope was uh, my dad shared uh, from Ephesians chapter three, uh, verse 20. And it says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly mm -hmm. than all yeah. we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And, yeah. and it was that text that my dad just kind of shaped this like, yes, there's lack and there's loss and there's grief, but the expectation of what could be, what could be in this season. And when you yeah. read that, that prayer in Ephesians three, it's, it's a prayer of plenty. 
It's a prayer of abundance, his yeah. glorious riches, his, like all these things. Yeah. And so that was a really, I think, shaping moment for our staff, for us to think about and pray, um, pray together. Like what could be possible mm. in a pandemic? Like yeah. we haven't had one of these in a hundred years. Yeah. And this is a crucial, crucial time of history for Countless mm-hmm. Alliance. You know, Countless Alliance is 75 years old. Yeah. It has never gone through a pandemic. And I think our staff just rallied around like a future hope. What could be possible? In totally. Totally. And that, that really situated us and fired us up to like keep going, you know, keep yeah. going because, you know, what, what does it look like or what does it mean that God can do abundantly more than all we ask or yeah. even imagine? Yeah. You know, and, and so that, that has been something that I think our staff have, have grabbed onto um, to maintain hope in, uh, in the middle of the storm. Totally, totally. And um, how do you encourage your congregation to maintain hope in this season? <laughs> I, think, I think there's a balance needed. Yeah. One, to recognize for people mm-hmm. the weight of this. Yeah. I think oftentimes Christianity and Christian leaders are rightly charged with a false positivism mm. um, that, you know, we're happy, clappy, and joyful. Yeah. And, you know, through, through hard things. And, and oftentimes when somebody's suffering, it's like, you know, but God will work all things, all things yep. to his glory. You know, it's like, yep. that's actually not helpful for people that are in the midst of like their junk and their depression and their anxiety and their loss and their grief. Mm-hmm. And so, we have tried and I think I've tried to communicate the reality of this season is hard and uh, there has been loss and there is a grief and to recognize that and to allow people to meet Jesus in that, mm. in the, in, in the lament. And I think that's important. If you, I think fast forward through that, mm. there is a false positivism that I don't really want to be charged with. Yeah. Yet at the same, yet at the same time, we've I have tried to balance, you know, through preaching the ministry of the word is don't waste a crisis. Yeah, don't waste this. Like, yeah. what is God trying to teach you? Yeah, he he has removed some pillars that we have been resting our life on for decades, and now they're gone. So, what is he yeah. trying to teach you? And and what is the friendship of Jesus mm. look like to you? as you go through this. So yeah. uh, that same, that same theme, I, I also think of uh, humility. I preached on James four, you know, where James like just rebukes the, the business leaders, you know, who think they yeah. can just go set up shop in this town and it'll just yeah. go and they'll just make money and they'll move on type thing. Yeah. You know, it's like, who are you? You are, you are missed. You are, you are like not, you are finite. Mm. And, uh, and so I've, I've really tried, you know, to remind people of that, like the, the, the lie of, of the West, of the developed Western countries, is that we have, we have controlled nature. We, yeah. can, we can forecast for weather. Uh, we have a, a amazing healthcare for sickness. And so that we, in, in the modern ideal of progress, have pushed off all of the threats to to life that like for thousands and thousands of years humanity has had to deal with that somehow now we don't have to. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think, I think there is a, 
an exposing of all of that for for Westerners uh, like me living in Canada that actually you are not in control and you never have been in control and what you feel now is reality and what you believed before was a myth. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, I think that, um, that humility is, so it's, it's not a false positive, but it is don't waste a crisis. And I would just yeah. add, finally, we have tried to tell stories really well yeah. uh, during, during this time, because I think storytelling is helpful mm-hmm. uh, of examples of people uh, or even examples of our church that have, have used this season in a way um, without COVID we never have had. So to show people the opportunity, to show people the, the closeness and friendship of Jesus in this time. So it's been hard though, man, without being yeah. able to see most people and just trusting the internet and online services, it's been really hard. Totally, totally. But uh, something that I think is just so, so cool about Camloops Alliance and your church is that in in the light of this in light of this really really hard challenging season um, you guys are being the hands and feet of Jesus cross-culturally and there is a really really fantastic work that you guys are doing in Mexico that I would love for you guys to that I would love for you to walk us through kind of what what's the project uh, what was the leading? What was the tug towards that project? Because I think this story is incredibly beautiful and hopeful in this season. Yeah, great. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, so, you know, one of our convictions uh, in the middle of this, like really a crisis challenges your values, right? Mm. Um, and oh, challenges, yeah, challenges your, your values. So one of the values I think that has been at KAC, Calum's Alliance, before I even got here, was generosity um, to to be a generous church. And so we have, our financial position as a church is is quite healthy. And Mm. so we we have said, you know, in the middle of a crisis, our job is not to hoard these resources, but rather distribute them um, to people that need it. And so uh, a project came to us through uh, one of our ministry partners in, in Mexico, in Zacatecas, Mexico, um, it's with, uh, pastor Thomas Bencomo and he is a pastor in, in Juarez and for, I don't know, two decades has been doing ministry to indigenous people in central, in and around central Mexico. Mm. What their, their latest project, uh, or their latest tribe that they're trying to reach with the gospel. Um, the primary form of worship in this tribe is Satanism. And wow. so Pastor Thomas and his crew uh, of, of missionaries uh, and, and, yeah, just followers of Jesus have been doing ministry in this tribe in Zacatecas, Mexico for a while. And people are responding to the gospel, but then the central form of worship is Satanism. So obviously there's a clash, right? And so yeah. the, the people that have said yes to Jesus uh, are persecuted, beaten, their land stolen, their wives raped. Like, it's just horrendous. And, and excommunicated from the community. So they are literally living in mud and, mm. and, and, and tents and have lost everything. They only eat one or two meals a day. They are oh, wow. persecuted. And so the opportunity has come for Pastor Thomas uh, to buy a piece of land uh, outside of this community, but close enough to it to build a house of refuge. And the house of refuge will be used for people who say yes to Jesus for mm-hmm. them to go to a place when they lose everything. 
Because oh, wow. one of the barriers, imagine it, like you have the choice of giving your life to Jesus or losing literally everything in your life. And yeah. for some of them, like they're too afraid to, to choose Jesus when they lose everything. So this house of refuge will be uh, a place of hope for them as we think yeah. about hope. Uh, as somewhere that they can go with safety and dignity uh, yeah. for it, an interim season while they get kind of established in their new life as a father of Jesus and kind of, you know, reinventing their life. And so the project that we took on this fall was to buy, help pastor and his team buy this piece of land. Yeah. And so our, our goal was uh, $25,000, yeah. uh, which means for us, we don't, you know, as you bring a spotlight to another project, uh, our internal funds, our general fund goes down as people give to that. And we knew that going into it, but we thought, you yeah. know what, we want to be generous. And so, yeah, we put yeah. this, uh, this ask out. And uh, I think uh, as of last week, we're at like $32,000. So we, wow. we by, by 7,000, you know, and, and it really shows, I think our commitment as a church yeah. um, that we are not here to hoard right yeah. now. And so, you know, kind of the tagline of our series, which, which we kind of, used to to raise this money was more than me like yeah. what is the role of a church in a pandemic yeah. it's yeah. to rise up and move towards need it's not yeah. to retreat it's not to retreat and so yeah we've seen our church really rise up and move towards need in a lot of different ways uh and one of them this financial project for uh people that we will probably never see or meet yeah. but they will now have a piece of land in which this house of refuge will be built and it's yeah. a beautiful story man it's beautiful yeah that really is you know people that are going through loss and grief in your context are are rising up and yeah like you said being generous and embracing that you know yeah. it's it's more than me and you know you guys are brokering hope in a pretty yeah. profound and pretty powerful way and i just think that's that's so powerful and i just think that's a wonderful testimony to to the work that god is doing and longs to do in this season right through the church yeah yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, you know, the, as I see it, and I could be wrong, but as I see it, I think the, the movements and churches that have turtled yeah. in this season and kind of looked out for themselves, um, I don't know what their future is. I, I hope it's good and healthy, but yeah. the churches that have seen this as an opportunity for mission and to grow and to capitalize on it, uh, I think the future is bright. And, and I, I do think our, our church's future is bright, but there is that temptation just to look out and kind of like make it through this season. Yeah. I just don't think that's, uh, that's our, as far as my leadership, I don't want our church to be known for that. And I would say it definitely is not in this season. I mean, I, I think that is just such a, a profoundly beautiful example. And it's just a snapshot of, of KAC as a whole, which I think is yeah. just, Beautiful and wonderful. Um, awesome. Well, Chris, uh, just to kind of transition here as we kind of come towards the end of our time together, um, if someone was sitting with you in your office at Starbucks over a cup of coffee, what's the one thing uh, that you would want to give them uh, in terms of maintaining their own hope? What's that, what's that big takeaway? I think if I would give them one thing, it would be um the our our emotions usher us into reality mm. and reality is where we find god amen and and i think with all of the emotions of 
of this season that people have gone through. Um, the way forward is not to ignore or dilute those emotions, but rather mm. to feel them. I Amen. believe in emotional, em, emotional health. And so, yeah. and in, in our emotions is where we find God. And I believe that God is a God of hope. And so feel the emotions and bring that to our caring father. Amen. And he will, he will speak a word of hope in our anxiety or grief or loss or uncertainty mm. that, that uh, nobody else can give you. And mm. so the God of hope, um, speaks a new word over us as we feel and go through this season. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. Uh, Chris, what are you reading or listening to these days that's filling you with hope? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, what am I reading or listening to? You know what? I'll tell you what I'm not listening to <laughs> is uh, I, I, have, I have gotten rid of most of media in my life, mainstream wow. media. Okay. I, I, I am, I am not like a, you know, they have an agenda out, but I do, I, I have found it's not helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I want to stay informed yeah. about what's going on, but I have found uh, that there can be an addiction to information that does nothing to me except yep. make me more scared yeah. um, or, or yeah, or frightened. So I, I'll tell you, I, I don't, I, I have removed most of those things in my life. Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I think what, what, has, what has helped me is uh, we have been doing a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I've been, I've, been, I've been reading even like for work and preaching, yeah. you know, lots of things on the Spirit, yeah. um, but devotionally as well, to think about the person and work of the mm-hmm. Spirit who introduces mm-hmm. Jesus, yeah. um, you know, every day. That has filled me with hope, man, that yeah. Um, yeah. I do not walk this path alone and the spirit brings hope to my life as he ministers to me and convicts me and guides me and brings the very ministry and presence of Jesus into my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the negation of mainstream media and the filling of the spirit that has, uh, that has made, made, made difference, you know, as it's not perfect, but it's made a difference for sure. Totally. Absolutely. And Chris, my, my last question. Um, I know you're also a podcaster as well too, that you, you wear that hat. Uh, and if yeah. people want to follow along with you, um, with the podcast, social media in general, let our listeners know how they could go ahead and do that. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. So the podcast is anywhere you get your podcast, Cantaloupe's Alliance Church. This was, this was a podcast that was birthed in crisis uh, uh, when everything melted down in March. Uh, so yeah, we're on our second season. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of stinking work. So good for you, Brian, for, uh, for doing it yourself. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, we're second season. We've had some great guests and uh, yeah. some good feedback. So yeah, yeah, social media, I'm on Instagram and, uh, and Facebook, although uh, I am currently thinking about just getting rid of all social media too. I just find it drains me and I, I actually don't like it a whole lot. So if you try to find me and I'm not there, it's because I've gotten off of it. <laughs> but uh, Absolutely. yeah, so that's, uh, that's kind of where you can find me. And then just camloopsalliance.com. It's our website. You can check us out there. Yeah. And then the, the uh, church social media is just Camloops Alliance Church. Yes? Yes. Just awesome. simply, uh, yeah. not, we're not on Twitter, but Facebook, Instagram. We're, Facebook, uh, we're Instagram. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Chris, my friend, this has been absolutely fantastic. I cannot thank you enough. I really, really appreciate your 
your honesty and authenticity with us today. And uh, yeah, I just hope and pray grace and peace on you, uh, on your staff, on KAC as a whole. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on the Maintaining Hope podcast. Thanks, Brian, for having me, man. It's been great. That was so rich. I deeply appreciated Chris's authenticity, honesty, and humility in that conversation. I was especially encouraged by Chris and Kamloops Alliance's commitment to generosity as a church. My wife and I have personally been blessed by their generosity, and I loved Chris's story of how they are helping to bring hope to those that deeply need it in Mexico through their work there with Pastor Thomas. Join us next week as I share with you three books and three podcasts that have helped me maintain hope this year. Have a wonderful week and tune in next time as we continue to look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world.